people are afraid of taking risks, especially in high stakes organizations. And that's what, unfortunately, uh, accountability models have done to, to public school culture and to teachers is created high stakes and a low tolerance for risk. So first of all, as leaders, we must model risk taking, model failure and uh, model acceptance and support for risk taking. Welcome to another episode of School PR Drive Time, a podcast produced by NCSPRA about driving the narrative forward for North Carolina public education through the work of school PR professionals. I'm Kevin Smith. I'm the Community Relations Coordinator for Transylvania County Schools and a board member with the North Carolina School Public Relations Association. And Ellen Boyd is my co-host. Thank you, Kevin. I'm Ellen Boyd, Executive Director of NCSPRA, and glad to be part of this show today where I actually get a chance to reconnect with some folks who have been a big part of my life uh, growing up and even professionally later on. We are definitely dipping back into history and looking forward to the future in today's episode about continuous improvement, Ellen. It's so exciting. I've known you as the PIO from Kannapolis City Schools for a long time, but you have some great relationships, as do I, with some of the folks who are joining us for today's show. Absolutely. Susan Allred, I was fortunate enough to have her as a teacher. And even when I became the uh, communications director for Kannapolis City Schools, she stayed a part of my life and was very helpful to me during uh, strategic planning and you know giving me great insights she's just a wonderful educator and a strategic thinker that we can all learn from and while dr scott elliott is currently the superintendent in watauga county schools uh, he was here during the first month of my tenure in transylvania county schools before taking that new role and so it was so exciting to dig back and and bring some of these relationships to the forefront talking about how continuous improvement can affect not only what a curriculum leader does but the work of school communicators as well. One of the things that I was most curious about that I'm really glad we got to touch on was the connection between school communications and student achievement. There really is a connection. They are intertwined. And these two guests today were wonderful at explaining how those things work together so well. And maybe not surprisingly, it was the passion of their personal stories that really drives home the importance of how curriculum and communications work side by side, strategic planning. It was even interesting to me to hear a lot of systems thinking goes very closely with the RPI model and things that we're that we're accustomed to hearing in terms of planning out our communications. Anyway, so many great tidbits in today's conversation, Ellen. I'm looking forward to kicking it off. Yep, let's take it away. We would like to welcome to today's show here on School PR Drive Time two special guests who are known to many of us listening to this podcast in North Carolina's public schools. Dr. Scott Elliott is the superintendent of schools for Watauga County Schools, who formerly served in district-level positions and as a teacher and administrator here in Transylvania County Schools. Dr. Elliott, thank you so much for joining us today. Hello, Kevin. Good to be with you. Susan Allred, who's known to many of us as well, is an author and consultant who spent 20 years teaching in Gaston County Schools before taking district-level positions in Iredell Statesville and Transylvania County Schools, as well as the associate commissioner position in the Kentucky Department of Education. Susan Allred, thank you for joining me and my co-host, Ellen Boyd, today. Thank you for having me. Ellen Boyd is our executive director, and it's so exciting when we get the chance to do this because Ellen is so busy working for NCSPRA that we, we had to make her take a little bit of time off. 
uh, to come and do this. Ellen, thanks for being a co-host on today's program. Absolutely. I would not have missed this. Let's get some personal introductions out of the way. I'm going to start with you, Ellen, because your story of how uh, how we got to know some of today's guests is, is one of my favorites. So full disclosure, I was fortunate enough to have Susan Allred as my ninth grade social studies teacher in Gaston County Schools. And I can tell you from experience that she has always been an amazing educator and role model. And I continue to learn from her to this day. So that's why I was so excited to have a chance to be a part of this podcast. I'm blushing. I'm already blushing. This is such a great way to start the show because the friendships and relationships that make things work are actually one of the things we will end up talking about today. And there's more to go. Dr. Elliot, you and Susan Allred also have a connection that's going to help us learn a little bit more about the topic today. That's right, Kevin. Uh, I came to Transylvania County in 1996 as a first year teacher, uh, having worked in the community college system. And I was there for a few years. Uh, and after a change of leadership of, of the superintendent position and Dr. Terry Holliday, who many also know, came into our district. Um, I remember one day after a policy committee meeting, he said, next year, we're going to have a new director of curriculum and instruction. And the two of you are going to hit it off. I uh, counted a blessing that uh, as uh, a a uh, young assistant principal and then middle school principal. I had the the opportunity to work for several years under Susan's leadership, and uh, we've maintained our our, uh, relationship and uh, communication ever since then, and she's helped to guide my thinking and my work all this many years later. Susan Allred, we've done a lot of talking about you, and I'm so grateful that you had some time to, to make this available and, and have this conversation with us. There is There are so many things that unite public information officers who are the main people that we're talking to here at NCSPRA, uh, and the people they work with across a district, the principals, the district level administrators, teacher leaders, and, and family and community groups. And your experience as an agent of change, specifically putting forward the idea of continuous improvement is the thing that brought us all together. It's the thing that has has united us and also brought you and Dr. Elliott together. How did you discover the importance of continuous improvement? What are some of the things that drove that home to you? Well, I was an educator for 30 years before I was even introduced to continuous improvement. Mm. Just like your listeners Uh, If they were in public school ever and are still are, we stop and start a lot. We stop and we and we pack up everything. We go home, clean it off, uh, take a little break, and then we open it up all over again. And it's brand new. And yet our data keeps telling us we have gaps. It keeps telling us these children that we have, we're not necessarily meeting all of their needs. And. And why is that? Well, it stands to reason when I began to learn about systems and about continuous improvement systems that you never shut down and you never quit and you're never there. You're always in action. In my 45 years or so, no two years have been alike. Mm. So continuous improvement, this whole idea that that changed my life forever and made me somebody who is zealous about telling the story about continuous improvement is when I recognized that it is the lens through which we look at our work processes and in whatever we're doing. You can do it about your own personal health. You can just decide, okay, I'm overweight. This is the truth. Now, what do I need to do? And continuous improvement in education, it's a 
at any level. You could start continuous improvement in your classroom. You could start it at the school level. You could start it at the district level. Doesn't make any difference. You just start. You look at where are you? What is the situation right now? Who are the people that we have in place to do the work? What is the data and information telling us about this? And then what's our vision for it? What do we expect to, to do and what do we need? And then you begin to set minimal goals in addition to your long range goals based on whatever the vision is. In Transylvania County, when, when um, Scott and I were there, He'll remember that Dr. Holliday wanted us to be in the top two in the state with absolutely everything. Didn't matter what it was. If you brought it up, if, it, <laughs> if there was some, some comparison in the state, we were always looking at Chapel Hill. We Ellen Boyd, I'm, I'm hearing some echoes in what we think of as school PR professionals. I'm hearing a little bit of the RPI model there for, uh, for folks who are listening at home. If they haven't got their APR like you, um, what are you hearing from Susan Allred that maybe folks should be taking notes about? One of the things about school PR and any kind of strategic communication is transparency and honesty. And I think what Susan is saying is you have to give yourself an honest assessment of where you are in your starting point. And then you can look at where you need to go and, and follow that vision. But having that honest conversation, that critical conversation to start with is, is extremely important. So Dr. Elliott, you walked into this environment uh, when Susan Allred was here in Transylvania County Schools. And uh, as we were getting ready for today's program, you mentioned how that reality is so important and being able to accurately assess where you are and what it means. And that there's a difference between just making a change and actually changing for the better or what the improvement in continuous improvement. How do you as a leader and even as a practitioner yourself, how do you as a teacher looking at your own practice, how do you communicate that, that not all change is always change for the better? Right, well, let's start uh, by saying that uh, change is inevitable, but improvement is not. Mm -hmm. So it's the, the role of the leader to help to lead God and direct others to the reality that, that they see, that they desire for themselves. And there are many different ways uh, that a leader has to communicate. Uh, it, it actually, though, starts uh, with something deeper inside. And I think inside every effective teacher is a hungry student yearning to learn and grow. <laughs> and so, and I, and I, as a leader, still think of myself as a teacher. I'm just a teacher in a different role. And so as a teacher, I'm still hungry to learn and grow. And, uh, you know, that maybe some people do and some people don't have that natural burning desire. But I believe teachers do. I believe teachers want to change the world. Um, so I think when you when you move into a leadership role and you realize that a lot of leadership is actually change management, you have to decide for yourself, are, is the status quo acceptable? Or will you always be passively managing changes that are external and are given to you? Or are you going to take control and lead with purpose? Uh, to do that, you have to, as Susan said, define reality, uh, accept the reality, uh, define the goal, define the processes that it takes to reach that goal, and then train and support the people to do the work. Um, and, you know, one thing that Susan 
taught me all along was it still is all about the people. This is a people business. And uh, our relationships with people, our authenticity with people, our modeling to other people, our own continuous improvement is so important to the legitimacy of our leadership. Um, And so, you know, being able to both accept responsibility while modeling leadership is, is so important. As much as we want success and we want to communicate to people the positive stories, it's also important that we tell the stories of the struggles and the difficulties, the barriers, um, and, and also the successes. But uh, as a leader, we, we have to be able to, to say, well, that didn't work, or gosh, that's uh, not what I expected, or well, I don't know, let's find out. And when we model those messages and that, that way of thinking for people, uh, it tends to eventually become the culture. So this is a very high level conversation that we're having and we have to put in a plug that Susan Allred, we mentioned is not just a consultant and a former administrator, but as an author as well. Um, Susan, is there a book you might recommend for folks who want to understand this leadership mindset when it comes to continuous improvement? Why, yes, there, there are several. My co-author and I, Kelly Foster, who is the, an associate commissioner in Kentucky now, And I have written two books. One is published and one is in the pipeline to publish next summer. And they're both, the short title for either one of them is Without Trumpets. The first one is um, about continuous improvement. And the second one is about the practical application of continuous improvement. They're both about Kentucky but we wrote about Kentucky because that's what we, where we lived continuous improvement, starting from initially explaining what it is to actually doing it. And now 10 years later, we've gone back and I've interviewed people who were in the original um, rollout of interventions that we were doing in low-performing schools in the state. And I have interviewed them and I've asked them, so what's the takeaway? What are you doing today that we said was just essential back in the day? And it is amazing to me. And that's the reason you probably just need to wait until the second one comes out because it's better. Um, (laughs) Maybe you can get the first one cheaper on Amazon now. I don't know. But, But I would just simply say that it is human story about how you change your thinking about continuous improvement and about using systems, common language. And this is another one for, for um, information officers, I think. You know, uh, educational jargon just trips everybody up. We have, we have alphabet soup all the time. So how do we make our language so transparent that we're using the same kind of system language all the time so that people can begin to expect certain actions at certain times of the year, certain measures coming out at certain times of the year. And that's really what the two books um, about Kentucky are about. Again, the short title for both of them is Without Trumpets. And the reason it's got that name is miracles happen in education every single day. And I would almost tell you every hour of every day And it happens without fanfare because we don't have time to tell the story. And so it will continue to be that way unless we grasp telling the story of continuous improvement. And that's why I was so excited to be able to talk to your audience 
because just getting a foothold in with the language of continuous improvement and about having commonality and transparency of the message, then if a family moves in from somewhere else, you're still using the same language. And these are things like, what are your accountability measures and what do they mean, that kind of thing. But your the work processes in education, now I'm getting ready to say something profound, have never really changed. We still have continuous, uh, I mean, we still have curriculum and instruction, we still have assessment, we still have operations, and guess what? They've had them always. It's just they've become more and more complex. So if we identify what our key work processes are and we define them and we make them transparent and our language is common and we show where we're going and the struggles, just like Scott said, I love watching superintendents work and Scott's one of the ones I watch because what they're doing is growing a base for the culture of growth. And that's what continuous improvement really is. What a wonderful segue into what I wanted to ask you, which is how can the principles of continuous improvement and systems thinking be applied specifically to the communications role? Well, the thing that's fun about it is you can actually make your own jobs better with continuous improvement. If you just start looking at your own processes and how you determine your own effectiveness and figure out where you are and where you want to go and how that's aligned with what the district is trying to do, that's what continuous improvement is. So you actually can begin practicing it yourselves. And what happens is people start looking at you and saying, oh, well, that makes sense. You had a, you did a little root cause analysis here. Yes, that's a, yes, we know why. We have all the right people at the table. You know, we, you guys are great at getting customer feedback. You know, you've been reaching out and doing this for a long time. So how do you use that data and information to improve your own processes? So there's just an easy one. In the business world, they called it a PDCA. And in education, we call it a PDSA, plan, do, study, act monitor it. So it's that kind of language that we're talking about. All of that's in my books, but you can also Google, <laughs> Google quality. You can Google systems. You can Google the Baldridge criteria for performance excellence. That can give you all of the things that I can, that, that would be in my $30 book. Um, and, and if you Google PDSA, which is one of the good, easy tools. Um, there are tons of school examples there for you. Dr. Elliott, I know that on the ground in Watauga County Schools, you have some firsthand knowledge of how these two wheels can kind of move at the same speed in the same direction. How does that work for you? Kevin, for us, uh, it means being as strategic and deliberate about our communications as it does our overall improvement efforts. And so having a strategic communication plan that is aligned to the strategic plan so that we're always thinking about, well, you, you know, what processes occur within our communication plan? When does certain data get reported? Um, what's changed about it? Who are the stakeholders? Uh, when do certain things occur uh, during a given cycle or a given year? 
but it, it's also really exciting because I, I think that a public information officer can kind of stand apart from the district and the improvement efforts and, and view it from a completely objective lens and think about what's the story to tell here. And maybe even continually by working closely with the, the, you know, the highest levels of leadership, giving um, objective feedback back to the leaders about, you know, the, the, we say the processes are working or we have this data, but actually there's a different story here or the data might be telling us a different story or the story, the audience isn't listening. Uh, and we perhaps need to approach our, our processes or communication in a different way. I think it's really exciting for information officers to think about how to tell the stories uh, of the work and also holding a, a flashlight to it and, and shining some light on both the strengths, the weaknesses, the success and the challenges. We are going to come back in the second half of this show and talk more about the power of those stories and the storytellers themselves. I'm with Ellen Boyd, the executive director for NCSPRA, my co-host here on School PR Drive Time. And we have Dr. Scott Elliott from Watauga County Schools and Susan Allred, an author and consultant from the Kentucky Department of Education and numerous locations here in North Carolina's public schools. Don't go away. We'll pick up this conversation in the second half of the show. Hello, this is Ken Dirksen, president of NCSPRA, the North Carolina School Public Relations Association. We hope you're enjoying this episode of School PR Drive Time, the NCSPRA podcast about driving the narrative forward in support of public education. This podcast is one of the many member benefits we offer you in your school district when you join NCSPRA. From engaging professional development to the recognition of your talent through the Blue Ribbon Awards program, membership has its benefits. We encourage you to follow us on social media and help spread the word about what it means to be a member of a school public relations association that supports the mission of everyone in North Carolina public schools. Share this program with a friend or colleague today and enjoy the rest of the show. Well, welcome back to School PR Drive Time where we're here talking about continuous improvement and the importance of storytelling and stories in the relationship between curriculum and communications. Our guests are Dr. Scott Elliott from Watauga County Schools and Susan Allred, author and consultant with experience in North Carolina and Kentucky's public schools. And Ellen, I want you to kick off because I know that you and Ms. Allred have some really important conversations to have about the relationship between our departments. Yep, I'd actually like to hear from, from both of them about the connection that they see between a strong strategic communications program and consistent growth in student achievement. Um, talk about how those things are related. Well, I'll, I'll pick up with that. You know, uh, one of the things that we did in Kentucky was to, where we started with really low performing schools was to build a strategic plan in 30 day segments. We were going to work for 30 days at a time and we were going to review at the end of 30 days and then we add 30 days and then we add 30 days and we were just going to keep getting better and better and better and that's what continuous improvement was going to be that was a different kind of conversation for everybody and so uh, making it clear from a, a messaging standpoint of what a 30 60 90 day plan was and that it was actually going to show, help us show improvement immediately. And if it wasn't immediately done, then we would make revisions and 
make it better. We would just keep working. And I, I'll have to digress here for a second. Where, where that idea came from was in a, a, an environmental scan I was doing at a school once, and it was October, and the principal said, next year when we plan for how we allocate uh, resources, we're going to do a better job with our fifth grade. And I said, next year, it's October. You've, you've still got your entire school year to go. <laughs> and, and so I, I think um, this whole idea of how the strategic planning and communications collectively, there has to be an understanding bet between the public information office and what the schools are actually trying to accomplish here. It's not about give me a copy of your strategic plan that's on that nice letterhead stuff. This is really about what is the plan that you've got working. And an example I would give you about the, how it engages the community is in Lawrence County. I, when I first went to Kentucky, I was given two schools uh, to work with. And I thought I would just have the two schools for um, three years each, but it, it didn't wind up that way. But you can get the book and you can read all that. <laughs> but what happened was it took us a long time in Lawrence to get our foothold because the messaging was so hard. It was very different from what the community understood. And the teachers didn't necessarily get it either. Um, and they thought we were just doing a lot of stuff and they didn't really yet see where we were going. And so that, that conversation has to be happening all the time. And that school district came up with a wonderful communications plan. Who needs to know what? You know, which was, do teachers need to know this? Do uh, students need to know this? Is this a thing for the parents? Is this for the community? And so they began to do a really good job of being intentional about how the interventions were taking place. We did not honestly get parents engaged, engaged in that district for four years. It took seven years to get them out of their status. But the, the teachers understood at year four that if they talked about the students' progress rather than their test scores, when they talked about these are the things that a, a child in Algebra 1 needs to have accomplished. When they talked about that, instead of your child is failing, it, it changed everything. Parents became involved. It took three more years, a total of seven, to make this turnaround. Dr. Elliott, I, I know that you, in your experience as a superintendent and an administrator here in Transylvania County Schools as well, um, you've had to do some of that rowing upstream as well with helping make sure that families and, and community stakeholders can understand the data. Your students may in fact be improving and they may not have the ground, they may not have the ground level understanding to even take in what you're trying to share with them. So things might be going well and even that becomes an issue. Uh, what have you learned about the importance of understanding and accepting the data that you have and then getting that across to your community? Well, as I said earlier, it's about how we define reality for people and the culture that we're trying to, to create. And all of these things work together. Uh, continuous improvement does not exist in a vacuum outside of the culture of your community and the culture of your schools and the capacity for people to change, the resources that you have to make those changes occur. 
um, and the willingness of leaders to stay with the work. And very often uh, changes of leadership are the very thing that undermine that, that momentum and that trust that gets built. So for me in these rural communities where I've worked, it's been about relationship development, building a foundation of trust and commitment for the good of these, these kids and a sense of urgency to, to change and to lead. Um, we, we have such precious short few years with these children, or these children have just precious few years with us. And um, we shouldn't ask that they have too much patience with us in getting our acts together as we improve. In terms of communication, um, I, I think that we can, can, through our communications, create that sense of urgency uh, for improvement. Uh, and to help to lay the groundwork. Sometimes, you know, in our communications, we'll, we'll, we'll get a certain response and we'll go, well, haven't they been paying attention to all of these messages? And that's why we must continually improve and reflect upon our practices, because as we often say, sometimes it doesn't matter until it matters. Uh, but if we can create routine, routines and we can create uh, processes, and as Susan said, familiarity and common language, then we have fewer and fewer surprises over time. And then there actually becomes a demand for it, a, de a demand for the information and a demand for the change. We're living in a time of choice. And there is, uh, now we're living in a time of greater transparency of information and greater confusion about what to make of that information. So I think that as, as school leaders and as strategic communicators, we need to help folks to be able to understand the data, understand information. Again, we're defining reality and, um, and how to make the best choices. In our little school system, our vision statement is to be the best place to learn and work. It isn't necessarily test scores. The student performance is part of, part of our plan. But when given a choice, we want our, our families to be well informed to make the best choice possible, and we want to be that choice for them. And that means that we must be continually evaluating and honestly communicating with folks about their choices. So, you know, on this podcast, we like to say that we're driving the narrative forward for public education through the work of school PR professionals. So with that in mind, I'd love to hear your advice about how we as school communicators can become the change agents within our school districts. Well, Ellen, it starts with my deeply held belief that public education, and you mentioned the, the mission statement there specifically referencing public schools. Public schools are a foundation of our democracy. I, I believe that deeply. Um, it is what often through tumultuous times holds us together and, and, and helps our communities to stay together and to, to, to thrive and to grow. Um, so I think it's the, the job of public school communicators to tell the story of how your local school or your local school system drives uh, quality of life and improvement for all members of the community and members of the school community, such that people will, will want to, to be a part of it and to invest in it through their votes and their public dollars and by sending their children there to school and their time and their resources. And it, it, it means that we must continually tell the story and reinforce it with, with real messages that resonate with them. In a community like ours, where we have a, a very strong relationship and a strong presence with a university in our community, yet we have many people who feel as though uh, the school experience tilts perhaps uh, too much towards the four-year college uh, or university pathway, it's very important that we create uh, programs of excellence for all students 
and that all programs are of quality and that the, the worth of those programs and the, of those students are part, part of our story going forward. I can't think of a time that I've given a speech or talked with anybody that I haven't ended with, tell your story. Each district, each school is so unique with its own uh, composition of human beings that are put together Public school is a gorgeous place to go. When I have a really bad day, even today, I, stranger, will go and introduce myself and say, could I go read to a a kindergarten class for you? Or could I observe some of your STEM classes? Because amazing things are happening. And I think that, that those are the stories that have to get out there. I'm excited, I follow, Twitter and I follow Facebook and I follow some individual school uh, websites because they are telling their story beautifully. And so I, I want to commend those that are really reaching out for those stories because that is the important thing to do. Tell your we, story. We've heard you both mention so many great inspiring ways of thinking about this issue in a school system setting and in a school setting. And We've heard about the virtue of 30, 60, 90 day plans, uh, even setting expectations that you might not achieve the results you want until four years into a seven year process. And yet, um, Susan Allred, what I hear you saying is that telling that story on a daily basis is what's going to make this real. So what I'd like to hear from each of you is what do you think is holding people back from adopting this mindset? What holds people back from taking a continuous improvement mindset into this storytelling aspect and making that something real every single day. Kevin, I think a couple of things. First of all, in general, I think we uh, are all very averse to risk. People are afraid of taking risks, especially in high stakes organizations. And that's what, unfortunately, uh, accountability models have done to, to public school culture and to teachers is created high stakes and a low tolerance for risk. So first of all, as leaders, we must model risk taking, model failure, and uh, model acceptance and support for risk-taking. And the second is, let's don't take for granted that people understand change or understand uh, a process of change. I had to learn continuous improvement. You heard Susan say it was 30 years into her career before she was introduced to continuous improvement. There is a science here and it must be learned and it must be implemented and must be tested and continually evolving and improving. So one has to have a model to follow uh, some training to implement it and uh, a, a process that follows. Susan already called you out there. You, uh, you, you've helped unearth for many educators who are coming after you this science of continuous improvement. And I heard you talking about the virtue of, of getting out there and telling your story, whether it's anything from as simple as going and reading books uh, to an elementary school classroom to being able to engage the parents across an entire high school uh, and waiting years for those results. If, if you could, you know, in a word, what do you think is holding, based on your experience or what you see today, what, what do you think is holding people back? Fear. Um, I think Scott is very much on point about risk taking. We haven't encouraged people to be risk takers. Um, just we are of the mindset just give me what I'm supposed to do. Let me check it off and close the book. That's not continuous improvement and that doesn't get us anywhere. So I think it is just a fear of um, not being accepted, a fear of failure or, or 
I've got so much to do, I don't have time, they'll say. And uh, my response to that always is, if we don't take the time, then they're never going to know the miracles that are going on in your classrooms, the miracles that are happening every day with many, many students of many different learning abilities and levels and the creative um, excitement that is going on in uh, classrooms today. I um, watch uh, Transylvania County and I'm excited for the just little clips of things that teachers are encouraged to do and are put on a website or on um, a Facebook. That has got to be encouraged, I think, from your end. I think, I think it's you, um, public information folks, going into schools and saying, let me just walk around and see what's going on. And not from a negative standpoint or a gotcha standpoint, but I want to learn too. And then encourage those people to actually tell their story. Now, you'll find that there are a lot of young educators that will take you up in a second. So it's just about getting that cadre of people who are willing to do the risk taking and encouraging that. That's how you get started. Absolutely. Great advice. And um, Dr. Elliott, maybe if you can piggyback on that by uh, reaching back into your experiences for one thing that maybe teachers or leaders can do what's one thing they can do to try to conquer that fear of taking the next step and moving toward continuous improvement i think uh too often in education we over engineer we over engineer processes and programs um and we we find silver bullets so I think that as a leader, one thing that we can do to help people to be at ease with a model of continuous improvement is to help people to see the simplicity of the work of asking questions, collecting information, reflecting on the practice, the plan, the do, the study, and the act. We can do it with anything in our classroom, whether it's how we line up to go to the lunchroom or um, how we manage that chaotic bathroom duty or how we tackle the standards in the American history curriculum. Often it comes down to some simple questions. And so just sitting with someone and asking, well, what's happening right now? What would it look like? Let's, let's begin with the end in mind. What does it look like when, when, when we've succeeded? What are some simple things we can do to get us there? Sometimes a cup of coffee and 30 minutes in a classroom together, just having a, an easy conversation and asking and answering the right questions helps people to really understand what truly is continuous improvement. This has been a wonderful conversation. And the idea that we could take one of those 30 minute cup of coffee and conversations in the classroom and make that a future episode of this show has got me very excited. We have been fortunate to have two proponents of continuous improvement and leadership through engagement of all levels of stakeholders in our schools. Dr. Scott Elliott is the superintendent of Watauga County Schools and a former associate of mine here in Transylvania County Schools. I'm so grateful that you had the time to join us today at a very busy time and thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. And Susan Allred is an author and consultant with deep experience in North Carolina and Kentucky's public schools, having served as a district level administrator and the associate commissioner for education in Kentucky. Susan, good luck with all of your books. We're definitely going to share links to what's happening on Amazon and wherever you find great books uh, here in our world. And thank you for sharing this message uh, with folks here and wherever you go to speak. 
Thank you. I really appreciate the invitation and I've enjoyed the conversation. One, one side thing is I also have nine years in South Carolina. So, so um, just a little sidetrack there, but thank you so much. Continuous improvement, I promise you changes your life. Just and it that. changed and it changed this podcast. We're in the business of continuous improvement and we're gonna to have to up our resume searching skills. So thank you both for joining us and thanks everyone for listening to this episode. Ellen Boyd, what an amazing conversation. And thank you for joining to help us facilitate this with Scott Elliott and Susan Allred. Any folks who are following educators on Twitter know about Dr. Elliott and, and Ms. Allred. They've seen them out there. They've heard the way they communicate. We know that they can be fearless. It sounds like that's one of the biggest takeaways that we had from this conversation. And I don't know that we were expecting that. No, I love the way they talked about how we have to model an acceptance of risk taking. Mm-hmm. That education has become so high stakes these days that it has made educators averse to taking risks. And we don't get that continuous improvement without taking risks. And I thought they did a great job of, of talking about that. Um, they also said that, you know, change is inevitable, but improvement is not. Boy, does that stick right now where it's such a moment of continuous change and things are continually developing all around us. But the idea that we can be so planful and yet passionate, right? That just came through in their stories and and their commitment to making sure that there's uh, inclusion. Uh, we didn't even get into some of those other topics that would make a great follow-up conversation, but making sure that stakeholders are included in this change process and continuous improvement was so exciting to me. Absolutely. They also said that leadership is change management. So, you know, just because something changes doesn't mean it gets better. So leadership is change management to try to make move it in the direction of improvement. These two were just amazing. Ellen Boyd, it was such a pleasure to have you riding shotgun on this episode of the show. Thanks for helping us bring these thought leaders to our community and I look forward to working with you again soon. Absolutely, my pleasure.